Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast, the podcast dedicated to simplifying the commercial real estate industry for the masses. Each week, we sit down with industry experts to dissect the many facets of commercial real estate and extract valuable lessons you can apply to your business. Whether you're a new or seasoned business owner or investor, the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast will be your go-to resource for all your commercial real estate needs. Now, here are your hosts, Rafael Collazo and Jeff Walston. Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rafael, here with my co-host, Jeff Walston. How's it going, man? It's going great. I'm Friday before the Independence Day weekend, so I'm excited to go out and grill oh, yeah. something and uh, spend time with the family. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's supposed to be beautiful out this weekend, so really excited. I think, I mean, it was raining the last few days, and I think tomorrow's supposed to be 81, and then the following day is supposed to be in the mid-80s, too, with sunny skies. So it'll be a perfect barbecuing weather. Get out there, hang out, and really just enjoy the holiday weekend. Prior to that, uh, we actually had a Greg Dickerson, CEO and founder of Dickerson International, here on the podcast today. And he is just overall an impressive individual. Um, he's done so many things in his lifetime, from starting out in the military, getting into the restaurant industry and growing within that industry, and then finally getting into some general contracting for commercial construction, building subdivisions for residential housings, and then finally selling that business and then getting into real estate development full-time. And as an investor, he's a coach. Uh, really, you name it, he's done it. And in today's episode, we really dove into the real estate development piece because that's something that he's really been focused on over the last decade or so. Um, and we really gained a ton of value from this particular episode. We talked about things like what got him interested in real estate development in the first place, his first project and some of the hurdles he had to overcome in order to make sure that he performed well in that in that environment. And then we dove into some of the skills that, that are required in order to really be successful in real estate development. And he touched on a few different skill sets that, that I think you guys will gain value from. Overall, I really, really enjoyed this episode. It was precise. I um, mean, he, he really did provide a ton of knowledge uh, that you guys will gain a lot of value from. Jeff, did you have anything else you wanted to share? Uh, just that he's, he's a very impressive serial entrepreneur and his resume is impressive. So I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Awesome. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into this episode. Hey, Greg. Great to see you. How's everything going? Oh, wonderful. It's a happy Friday, uh, 4th of July weekend. Oh, yeah. I know Jeff, uh, he's looking forward to grilling a little bit and I'm just going to be relaxing. I actually have, uh, I'm going to visit my family. I'm half Puerto Rican and my cousin's graduating from college this coming week. And so we're going to go down there and celebrate with her and, and my aunt and everything. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, awesome. Post-pandemic, 4th of July weekend. And, uh, you know, I think everybody's looking forward to getting together without having to worry about everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. And we're all big travelers, too. So, I mean, just getting out there and getting to the airport and, you know, traveling to different places is pretty exciting. But uh, really what we wanted to do, especially when we first uh, talked to someone, is learn a little bit more about them. So, obviously, you do a lot on social media. You've, you've got a strong presence on YouTube and various other platforms. But for those of our listeners that don't know who you are, could you kind of give us an overview of what you do and, and really how you got into, into real estate? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm a serial entrepreneur, um, real estate developer and investor. And then I coach and mentor people all over the world doing all kinds of different things from, you know, professional athletes to family offices to physicians, professionals, um, you know, getting into syndication, learning how to get into development. I'm involved in some uh, startups, you know, like I do a lot of equity capital as well. 
So a number of different things, but I started in the business in 1997 as a remodeling handyman contractor, built that into a $30 million uh, building company, sold it, um, started 12 other companies along the way, built those up, exited, and I've been doing equity capital and real estate development um, ever since. And I was very fortunate. You said you lived in DC, so I was on the outer banks of North Carolina and building um, resort rental properties. I started working for a bunch of investors and other developers that were coming down from Northern Virginia. That's one of the uh, number one owner demographics on the Outer Banks, you know, buying big million dollar beach houses. So uh, they were coming down and doing stuff and I started working for some of them on their renovations and building houses for them and started learning about real estate development from those uh, individuals. So I, I was very fortunate to meet some, some very successful uh, sophisticated developers and investors and learn from them. And that's kind of how I learned. I didn't, I didn't go to college. I went in the Navy right out of high school, learned everything the hard way, educated myself. And then I learned from very successful uh, real estate investor and developers by working for them and with them in their projects. And, and, you know, that's what I continue to do now. That's awesome. Yeah. My, one of my good buddies, he actually uh, bought an investment property in the Outer Banks last year uh, as like a Airbnb. And within a six or eight month period, he was able to sell it for a significant profit. So it's kind of interesting to see. I mean, there's been a, an influx of people in that area. So it's kind of interesting to hear you say that. What you're saying about uh, just going out of high school, I didn't go to college. I can definitely relate to that. Um, uh, I didn't go the Navy route, but I, I started building houses when as soon as I got out and I worked for and learned from all these experienced builders that's been building buildings for 30 to 50 years. So you get a lot for someone who's, who has the experience. So I definitely, uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's how I built that company. So, you know, like I said, I started out just doing remodeling handyman stuff. I'd never built a house, had no clue what I was doing. So as I started building my company and getting into new construction, building spec houses and doing other things, I went and hired, um, uh, the leaders of my company from one of the biggest developers down there at the time, they were building 60 to 80 houses a year. I hired their uh, vice president and, um, you know, one of their head designers to come work with me and help me build my company. So same thing. I, I got people that had been in it for 20 years down there building multi-million dollar beach houses uh, to teach me how to do it and to build the company for me and with me. So that's how I learned. Yeah. That's, Amazing. I, I like to hear that when, when someone else has done that too. It's like a, a street smarts thing, right? That you, you, just, you just gain the real, real knowledge, hands-on experience. So I like that a lot. So I know you got in real estate development, but what like got you really interested in doing development instead of just doing other aspects of real estate? So my first deal was a lot flip and that's where the light bulb really went off. I was doing some building and uh, I had a friend of mine who was a real estate agent and he came along and said, Hey, there's this lot that we can buy over here for a hundred thousand dollars. My dad has a client that'll pay us a hundred, you know, 130 for it. I can't remember somewhere around there like that. He said, you put up the money, I'll do everything else. And I said, you know, can you really do that? And he's like, yeah. So we did, we split the 30,000. I made 15 grand in 30 days. And, you know, to me, that was just an amazing thing. I'd never done anything like that. I'd owned houses, but I'd never done anything, you know, with real estate as an investment or as, you know, a business. And then the light bulb went off, said, wait a minute, I'm building. People are coming down here looking for property. So I need to develop property so that I can sell lots to people and then build them the house. So that's what I started doing. I started creating opportunities by buying lots, flipping them to my investors, then building them houses, or I'd tear something down um, to create lots. I, you know, I did a lot of oceanfront and the way you had to get those was to either tear something down like a hotel that had multiple lots under it, or you had to tear a house down or redevelop. 
So I kind of got into it that way. And then my first development project, like real development project from a land development standpoint came from my engineer at the time, civil, civil engineer, he had a client that didn't pay him. And he said, hey, he gave me this project in exchange for the fees. Um, do you want it? And I said, sure. So I came in, I bought it from him and, you know, uh, we went forward and developed it. So that was my first, you know, residential land subdivision. And then I started doing some commercial buildings and, and things like that. A lot of it was, you know, started out for a fee. And then I realized, well, shoot, you know, the guys that are making all the money in this business are developers. That's who's coming down here hiring me to do the project. So I, you know, I would just ask these guys, I'm like, look, where did you make all your money? And they're like, you know, we started out like you building some strip centers, this, that, and the other. But then ultimately, you know, we hire people like you now and manage the process. And our job is to find the deals, create the value, bring the financing and lead the team to the finish line. So uh, it's just bigger dollars, less headaches and, you know, different business models. So I evolved my business into the development side, which you know, is the company that hired individuals like me at the time. So it was just an evolution of the process and, and uh, you know, economies of scale. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. And that kind of leads us into the next question that I, I'd love you to talk about. So making that transition from, you know, the, the GC, the, someone who's on the ground, actually developing everything on the ground to now being, you know, the developer where you hire the GCs and everything else. Can you talk to us about that first experience and what made you take the jump? Because that's, that's a mindset shift in and of itself as well. Yeah, once I reached the point to where the business was uh, worth, you know, a multiple of the income, I decided to sell it. And that's when I transitioned into becoming a developer and hiring general contractors to work for me, because then, you know, I didn't have to take the risk, I didn't have the overhead, I didn't have the headaches of running a company, you know, all those types of things. So it was really when I exited that business 0405, um, when I transitioned into the development side, because I was still doing some, some buildings, some spec development, uh, I was still building some buildings and things, and it was just easier and more efficient to just hire a general contractor to do it for me, especially post-2009 when, you know, the market changed and all the builders were hungry and everybody was looking for work, just didn't make any sense to self-perform. And then, the you know, the bigger the projects are, the bigger the risk is in being the general contractor and the developer. So, you know, I just didn't want to self-perform anymore. It didn't make any sense when I could hire that out and do multiple projects and not, you know, take the risk as the general contractor. Sure. So that, that first project that you did after making that transition, what was it? And could you kind of walk us through some of the obstacles that you faced? Uh, it was spec development. So I was building a bunch of spec houses. So instead of me, you know, as the general contractor managing everything, being responsible for, you know, warranties, callbacks, uh, materials, slippage, things like that. I just started hiring general contractors to build for me. So that was really the transition that where the light bulb went off of, of how easy it was and how much more I could do with, you know, less time, energy, and effort. And really for me, you know, I'm an efficiency expert. So what I look for is efficiencies in any business, any investment, any system. And my whole goal is to make the most amount of money with the least amount of time, energy, and effort invested possible uh, and that was just the way to do it because then I could do any kind of project and I would hire the builders that were experts at the different things. So if it was an office building, I'd hire somebody, that's what they do. If it was a, you know, a multifamily building, you want a contractor, that that's all they do. If it's medical, same thing, you, you know, so that's kind of how that business model evolved over time. And, you know, there really weren't any like roadblocks or anything like that. It was just, you know, realizing and understanding that I can do more and I can scale faster, you know, that way through outsourcing 
which is really what it is versus trying to, you know, self-perform and do all that myself. Now I could have kept that company and set it aside and it ran itself and all that, but it's a distraction. You know, there, there comes a point in the evolution of your business where certain business models become more of a distraction than anything else. Cause you only have so much time, energy and effort in every day to focus on something. So my focus is better spent finding deals, understanding what the highest and best value is, creating that value, bringing the resources to the table to get that done, then move on to the next one. And I think that's super important what you just shared there because that's, that's a mindset shift. And, you know, I'm still relatively new in my investing career. I have a fourplex. And I remember when I first started with the fourplex, I was pretty much trying to do a lot of the stuff myself. And that's typical with a lot of investors is they have this mindset where it's like, well, you know, I could save money by doing this or save money by doing that. And what they don't realize is that your time is the most precious resource on this planet. And so if you can maximize your time in other, in other venues that can actually maximize those returns, it's going to be much better suited doing so. And that's, that's the mindset shift right there. And obviously you've been, you were in the business for quite some time prior to, you know, taking on the developer role. And obviously you, you were able to do much more on that front as a result of making that shift. So that's awesome. Yeah, I've always been about scale and leading, delegating, motivating, leveraging resources and talents of others. And uh, I learned that early on. So the real evolution was in my first building company. And I, you know, even though I didn't go to college and all that, I was in the Navy. So I, I understood leadership principles. I was a leader in the military. And then when I got out, uh, I did restaurants and construction. I was a leader, manager in restaurants. So I learned systems. Um, I learned, you know, how to lead, delegate, motivate, and then I poured into myself through leadership management books, business books, uh, motivational um, self-development stuff. So I understood and got very quickly and clearly that, you know, I can only do so much myself, number one. Number two, I knew what my limitations were. I focused on my strengths and then hired out and outsourced my weaknesses. So, you know, that's really the key. And again, when I started the business, I didn't know how to frame a house. I didn't know how to build anything. I learned by hiring professionals, learning from them, letting them do the job, coaching them to success and putting the right people in the right seats. So it's, it's all about that leading, delegating, motivating, and then understanding what it is you want to do. And my whole mindset was, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well go as big as I can go. And you can only go so big if you're doing everything yourself. Completely agree with that. You definitely have to delegate to stuff that not necessarily your strengths, right? So if you do that, you, you can focus more on other things. Um, and that being said, for those of us, the viewers and listeners that are interested in getting into real estate development, what would you say are some of the most important skills that they should be developing or inquiring as, as a team to, to get into the development? You know, so one is to know the market. You, you really, there's just no shortcut there. You have to know the market. You have to know what the opportunities are, how to identify, you know, the highest and best use uh, for the market that you're in. Number two is understanding the financials. You know, without the money, there's no deal. So you have to know how to raise capital. You, know, you, know, you have to know how to get funding. You have to know how to um, reverse engineer the economics of the deal. So you have to establish what's, what's the value that I'm trying to create and how does that equate into the economics of the deal to make sure the deal even works. So you have to know how to do the economic feasibility. Um, and then understanding the regulatory environment, what are all the things and that I need to understand in terms of approvals? Because a lot of people will say, well, this property is zoned for 100 units. Well, just because it's zoned for something doesn't mean you can actually do it and put it on there. And there's a lot of different 
you know, considerations that need to be taken in when you're looking at, you know, the feasibility of a project from the standpoint of logistics, utilities, access, lot coverage, capacities, you know, things like that. So you have to become an expert in zoning. Um, you don't need to be a technical expert in terms of how it's built, how it's developed, how it's done. But, you know, one of the areas that I recommend everybody study is their zoning code so that you understand what the uses are, what they mean, you know, how to figure out density, capacity, things like that. So when you talk to, the zoning departments and zoning professionals at the cities and counties and municipalities that you're working in, they can't just blindly tell you something. Um, and the biggest thing I always tell everybody is question everything. So if somebody says from a municipal or a regulatory standpoint, you can only do this because of the rules. The first thing I say is, well, where is that rule? So that I can read it, understand it and interpret it because a lot of times you have a box checker. They're just sitting there saying, well, this says this. So I'm checking that box. Whereas, well, it may say this, but only if this, this, and this are true. And if this, this, and this are met, well, then this changes. So I always tell people, study the zoning code, understand what it says, question things that don't make any sense, and you know, do your own homework and due diligence and don't just accept you know, any answer from anybody when you're looking at a project, trying to understand the feasibility, the capacity, you know, what you can do with a piece of property. Because a lot of uh, individuals within departments of regulatory agencies will tell you what they want you to hear not necessarily what it is that you can actually do. And you kind of mentioned, you know, the eco economics of a deal. And I think one of the, the main questions that I get from some from people is, how do you project out what a potential construction cost is, especially now with everything that's, I mean, construction costs are fluctuating pretty wildly at this point. And obviously it'll start to stabilize over time, but do you have any advice for individuals who are, you know, going through the process of maybe doing their first de uh, commercial development, they're trying to project out what, the potential construction causes so they can back out and try to, you know, project what the, the returns would be for, you know, the, their investors. Yeah. So, you know, knowing your market. So number one, know whatever it is you're looking to do, what the um, economics of that uh, deal is going to be, what kind of money is it going to bring in? What's your revenue? So you reverse engineer back from there in order to, um, you know, make sure that the project is financially feasible, economically feasible. So from a construction standpoint, you just talk to a general contractor. So if it's site work, you want to talk to some site work contractors and, you know, try to get a rough cost of what they're seeing in the marketplace currently and, you know, what those costs look like and what they're averaging on the projects that they're in. And of course, that's all going to be relative depending on your site, site conditions, requirements, things like that. But they can give you an average, you know, asphalt so much a mile, you know, curb and gutter is so much, uh, you know, a foot or whatever they're, they're charging at the time. So you can kind of get a rough idea of, of what those costs are going to be. And then when it comes to the actual vertical of a building, then you talk to general contractors that are building the type of project you want to build and you get estimates from them in terms of what they're seeing, you know, right now, if it's a hundred unit multifamily building, you want to talk to a builder that's building hundred unit multifamily buildings, the type of construction, garden style or high rise, whatever it is you're looking at. And they can tell you what their costs are averaging right now. Of course, they can't give you a hard number until you have complete plan specs, you know, finishes and all that. Same thing with houses. You know, you want to talk to a builder that's building the kind of product that you want to deliver. You don't want to talk to a million dollar builder and if you're looking to build $200,000 houses and vice versa. So you find the pros who are doing what it is you want to do. They can tell you what they're seeing right now, but they can't guarantee what anything's going to be in the future because costs are, you know, they're up and down. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. I, I deal with that daily as a commercial GC. Uh, when I go down there, I have questions. A lot of the a lot of those people, they're, they're looking over their shoulders to the most experienced person in a room to help answer the question. So yeah, the, 
checking the box thing. I, I definitely agree with it. A lot of times you definitely need to do your due diligence before you walk in. So on, on a question that we normally typically ask is what is like the most impactful book that you've read that may have changed your life or led you in a different direction? I, I know you said that you, you did a lot of leadership books and such. So I was just curious what would be one that really stands out for you. Yeah. Yeah. So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So that was the first, you know, real book that I read on entrepreneurship, understanding, you know, the different quadrants that he points out in there from, you know, employee to employer, to uh, business owner, to investor. And uh, it's really interesting. I'm assuming you guys have read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you get out of that book from like a main takeaway in terms of an investment vehicle? I mean, I think the biggest takeaway I took is that, you know, you're, you're kind of fed, uh, not necessarily, I mean, it's, it's kind of a lie that your whole life where it's like you go get an education and you're able to, you know, provide for your family and, and really live the American dream, whereas that's becoming increasingly un, unlikely given, you know, all the, all the things that are happening in, in this world. And not only that, but, you know, it, it doesn't take you too long to reach a financial freedom if you take the steps towards actually acquiring those income producing assets over time. And so I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background personally. I, I, I always had an entrepreneurial itch, but my family wasn't really natural entrepreneurs. Um, and so, you know, I kind of had to fi- figure out the hard way that that's something that I was really interested in. And I think that book kind of helped validate the mindset that I had that said, okay, well, I'm not crazy. You know, I'm not, I'm not a person who, you know, is, is molded for this particular, go get an education and then finally, you know, get the high paying job or whatever that is, is necessary, quote unquote, given that ideology. So. Well, I guess what I mean specifically is like most people read that book and get real estate, right? They mm-hmm. say, okay, I want to go invest in real estate. Cause Robert Kiyosaki talks about that buying real estate and, you know, going from his first, what was it? 12, 24 unit, whatever it was and scaling from there. And a lot of people get, you know, Robert Kiyosaki out of that book. I want to be Robert Kiyosaki. What do he did? What I got out of the book was I wanted to be rich dad. So when I read that book, everybody went to rich dad. He had all the businesses. He was teaching everybody. He had all the real estate. Everybody was learning from him. You know, the whole book was about rich dad. So that's like, I want to be him. So what I got from the book was build businesses that generate cash flow to invest in other assets. Because at the time I read the book, I had no money. I had no backers. I had no formal education. I had no, nobody in my family were entrepreneurs. And here I was setting out on my entrepreneurial journey. So I wanted to own real estate and I wanted to get into that. So how was I, how was I going to do that? So I had to go build businesses to generate the cash flow to reinvest. And that's kind of what I did my whole career. And then it all scaled. And like you'd, you'd asked about that transition, you know, basically what happens is in, in, you know, in the area I was in, I maxed out my current business model. So I had to evolve in order to broaden my ability to do projects, you know, um, in different geographical locations. So, you know, if you're going to be a builder on the Outer Banks, I mean, there's only so many houses you can build because the market's only so big and you're not going to get all of it. You know, it doesn't matter how good you are or whatever, you're only going to get so much market share. So I maxed that out and I was like, well, shoot, I don't want to just do this. This is, you know, I want to do more. So if I want to do a project in DC, you know, I couldn't go set up a company and do that. I needed to develop and, you know, lead, delegate, motivate, outsource, things like that. So that's kind of how my mindset worked when I read that book. That was the most pivotal book from an entrepreneurial standpoint, from a managerial standpoint, how to lead, delegate, motivate, manage people, recruit, hire, train, um, the one minute manager um, series of books. 
that's the system that I learned in the restaurant industry. And that's the system that I used in all my businesses and everybody in my businesses. I all had them, you know, read those books and we talked about it and we use that management philosophy in all of our companies. So those are probably the two biggest impacts and influences on my life in terms of, you know, business models, management systems and, and entrepreneurship. Awesome. Yeah, I actually have not read the One Minute Manager, so that's definitely something I'm going to add to the reading list. Um, yeah. I've read. Yeah, some there's of three them. books in the series. The One Minute Manager. It's the new One Minute Manager. That's the updated version. Then there's um, putting the One Minute Manager to work. That's the second book, and then leadership and the One Minute Manager. That's the third book. So you want to read them in that order because they all mm -hmm. build on the one before it, and it's a whole system of leading, delegating, motivating. Um, understanding that people are your most valuable resource in any business, getting results out of people by helping them feel good about themselves and the contribution they're making to the organization, the community, and the world at large um, in a sincere way, not a manipulative way. So it's a whole system in terms of how to do that. And it's all about recruiting, hiring, training, aces and places, the right people in the right seats, you know, setting goals, holding the behavior accountable to those goals, tracking results, you know, those types of things. So it's it's pretty in-depth, but each book is short and pretty much to the point. And then the key is implementing. So a lot of people go their, you know, their entire lives, their careers and different companies bringing in the next management system or theory and looking for the next thing. And, and really, you got to take the one and apply it and continue to use it and stick to it. And, you know, pretty much everything out there, whether it's traction, EOS, whatever, it's all built off the one minute manager principles. Yeah, for those guys who are listening, it's definitely worth a read. And like I said, I'll be I'll be purchasing those books as well and trying to dive into some of the the insights that they have for the books. So that's awesome. So Absolutely. first off, we just want to thank you so much, Greg, for stopping by. Uh, if if people want to learn more about you or you know be able to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do so? GregDickerson.com. That's where all my information is. I have a YouTube channel, podcast where I put out content every day, just you know, all about entrepreneurship, real estate, investing, the economy, um, all kinds of different things. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Greg. Really yeah. appreciate that. For those of you guys who are listening, please, please, please uh, drop five, five star review if you're listening to it on any podcast medium like Apple Podcasts. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe to the channel. We provide awesome content every week. So Thanks again for stopping by and we'll see you guys next time.